You're listening to the Back Porch Talk Podcast. Danny and Jason had many discussions and debates on the back porch while making pivotal investment moves with assets. That's right, with trading cards. They welcome you to the back porch and right into those discussions about current sports news with a fresh and unique twist. So come on and join us. Welcome to the Back Porch Talk Podcast. I'm your co-host, Jason. Co-host, Danny. Fans, <laughs> we got a special show for you today. Listen, we have the likes of the NBA playoffs. We're going to talk a little bit about this Formula One. Yes, you all know I'm a fan now. A little bit into Kentucky Derby, and we have an interesting trading car scenario. But first, Danny, right into the NBA, where there's a whole lot happening in these playoffs. Our Milwaukee Bucks took an L. The series is tied 2-2, headed back to Boston for game number five, pivotal game. That game four was a very, very interesting game. A whole lot of back and forth there. Uh, The Celtics did prevail here, 116-108. The fourth quarter was the quarter that the Boston Celtics just decided not to miss. They scored 43 points in the fourth quarter. Al Horford, man, found something on the street and streets of Milwaukee to give him that fountain of youth. And he just blew up, dunking on Giannis, screaming. I mean, this was just a back and forth grudge match. And this game five, man, this is going to be very interesting to see how this turns out uh, and everything. What say you, Danny? Strange with the Bucks in the regular season, the third quarter, they would usually fall apart and then bounce back in the fourth. In this Boston series, the third quarter is where they get that nice lead and then they lose it in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I think a couple things here. Obviously, they're missing Middleton. Yeah, big time. And I think Giannis has the ball too much. Oh, most definitely. They need to get the ball out of his hands and have Drew facilitate more. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or Giannis just needs to pass out of some of those double teams and everything because that's where some of the guys I think are getting lost mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and usually it was like a Bobby Portis who didn't do much last game is usually an integral part of the offense Grayson Allen who has been pretty good in the playoffs didn't do much just on in game four mm-hmm. so I think they need to make some adjustments and Giannis needs to trust his teammates and they just need to move the ball more. It's getting s- stuck. Yep. We've mentioned this before where it gets stuck with either Giannis and Giannis and Drew are the only ones taking a bulk of the shots. So that's where they got to get the confidence of the other guys, the role players going in order to take this game five tonight. Danny, let me just say this. I think a good friend of the Boston Celtics was actually coach Bud. Listen, when the Boston Celtics made this run in, in the fourth quarter, a little mm-hmm. bit in the third quarter, for some reason, Coach Bud decided to go with a small lineup in where basically Giannis was the big. Then he went small. Mm-hmm. Why in the world would you go ahead and play small? To me, that is giving up your leverage. That is giving up your advantage. Boston is small, especially with uh, some some folks who were injured there. So yes. uh, I just think that 
by Bud going small, you're playing right into Boston's hands. Mm-hmm. And at that point in time, that's where the run actually happened. Coach Bud made a, a bad coaching move there. And I know he was waiting for um, a break in action to maybe, you know, do some subs and everything. But when you see a team on a run like that and points are at a premium, especially mm-hmm. in this series, hey, man, you need to call a timeout and just go ahead and address your lineup. Yep. And that would also have given Giannis a, a quick blow there. I mean, Giannis ended up with 34 points, 14 for 32 from the field. Drew Holiday, 5 for 22 from the field. Got to do better there. Yep. Got to do better there in, in terms of the field goal percentage. Uh, and uh, we need to be a little bit more efficient there. But nonetheless, Danny, I think the adjustments will be made. Mm-hmm. This game five, I can see going down to the wire, and I can even see it going to overtime. That's how pivotal this game really is. Here's the other bad coaching move by Coach Bud. How the hell are you going to only play Bobby Porter's 15 minutes in a game? That's what I'm saying, man. You can't lose Bobby. I mean. He's He's like your engine. He's your engine, especially in Milwaukee. Exactly. So if you were to play, again, I don't understand why he went small. Mm -hmm. But to me, you always have to have a big, along with Giannis, on the court, in my opinion. That's your advantage. You can go ahead and, and, you know, do a Giannis and Bobby. You can go ahead and do a Giannis and Brooke. Hell, you can almost just do a Giannis and Serge. Yeah, that's another person that's. MIA. Get, give Giannis a blow here or there. I mean, you could put Serge in for, you know, a few minutes. Um, if, you know, to me, always your advantage is having a big. So go ahead mm-hmm. and put a big in there. Um, so we'll see what happens tonight, Danny. And now, Danny, on to Formula One racing fans. You all know that I have become a fan of Formula One. And on Mother's Day, Mm-hmm. And I have to say this to all the mothers, happy belated Mother's Day to you all, uh, especially to my uh, mother uh, and especially to your uh, yes. mother as well, Danny. Um, but on Mother's Day, Formula One racing uh, landed in the United States, specifically in Miami, and where for the first time ever, Formula One racing, the Grand Prix was in Miami, Florida. They converted uh, the Miami Dolphins Stadium, Hard Rock Stadium, into a Formula One racing uh, event and where the track went around the stadium. They put in some additional pools. They put in uh, some yachts uh, in, in there as well. So it was a cool, cool setup, man. I mean... The pomp and circumstance here. I mean, it was just uh, the pomp and pageantry uh, of this event was something to behold, man. You talking about stars, man? Mm-hmm. The stars were out, Danny. Yes, they were. You kidding me? First Lady Michelle Obama was in attendance. Special guest of Sir Lewis Hamilton, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, you had Jordan. I mean, you had Tom Brady, David Beckham, 
the Williams sisters, Venus and Serena, Dwayne, uh, Dwayne Wade, Gabrielle Union. I mean, LeBron was so, showed up. I mean, this was just uh, a star-studded uh, event, man. Bad Bunny for those fans. I mean, Ashton Kutcher. I mean, uh, just a wide range of people, man, there. Uh, you had like so Pharrell, Patrick Mahomes. Uh, I mean, you name it. Uh, Roland Martin. Uh, I mean, Matt Damon. I mean, come on, man. I mean, it was just like, who, who didn't show up? I didn't because yeah. I couldn't afford it. But I mean, you know. <laughs> but I would say this, man. This was just a, a great event. Uh, and to my understanding, it is a 10-year deal, 10-year contract to have this down in Miami. The pre-race show was amazing. Danica Patrick anchored pregame show along with uh, a whole host of other uh, folks. And, and so it was just really, really done extremely well. So mm-hmm. much so, Danny, that the ratings of this particular Grand Prix, the ratings were fantastic, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, ESPN, and this is coming from sportsillustrated.com, as a source, ESPN announced that Sunday's live telecast recorded an average of 2.6 million U.S. viewers, the largest audience for a live F1 race broadcast on American television. Uh, it peaked at 2.9 million viewers from 4.45 and 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And for the age group of 18 to 49, the race averaged 735,000 fans watching. So, Danny, this thing is blowing up big time here in the United States. Yeah. So much so that they are building a track in Las Vegas on a strip or somewhere mm-hmm. around the strip for next year. And there's a deal there in Vegas. So you got Vegas, you have Miami. Come on, man. This thing is blowing up for it to have this many fans. I mean, prominent fans. I mean, that actually attended. I would say that this is the new moneymaker in sports in America. It's estimated that Hard Rock Stadium saw 242,955 fans come through over the three days with a record. 85,280 on race day. Danny, let me just say just a few observations in this. Mm -hmm. Um, I was totally geeked. I was totally hyped, man. So much so, man, my parents actually watched it with me. (laughs) Cause I was hyping it up so much, Danny, I was hyping it up Mm -hmm. and they were like, man, we're going to find, you know, we're going to take this out. And so they were actually intrigued by it because because of the stars that showed up that mm-hmm. were intent in attendance, um, that's what really kind of caught their eye. They were like, okay, wait a second. You got Venus and Serena. Yeah. You have Jordan. You have Bray. I mean, you have all these stars up in there. Okay, this might be a thing thing. Mm-hmm. You end up start watching it. I was explaining what I know of Formula One to them as the race you know, was uh, going on. 
And to my surprise, I mean, they were really focusing on Sir Lewis Hamilton. Yeah. They were like, man, come on, Sir Lewis Hamilton. They was like, come on, Lewis Hamilton. And then they would leave, kind of go in the kitchen or whatever. They would say, well, what place he in? And he can't, you know, he fluctuated. He remained in sixth place, ended up in sixth place. And Max Verstappen uh, actually won the race. But Danny, they were kind of into it, you know. Mm-hmm. And I was telling them, you know, listen, this is an hour and a half race. Yeah. And, you know, this is not too, it's not entirely too long. So here's my observation about the telecast, Danny. So Sky Sports actually did it, did this right. ESPN, ABC got mm-hmm. the feed and stuff from them. Let me just say that some of the uh, folks who were on the ground talking, doing live interviews with people and everything. I remember uh, one, this older gentleman. He walked up to uh, Venus. Venus was walking. This is pre-race. She was walking on her way to probably to Sir Lewis Hamilton's garage, right? She's walking. He asked a question, and then it just was dead silence. She answered it, and she kept walking, and he didn't have another question. And so he was walking with her. And this is live TV, Danny. <laughs> and so Venus was like, oh, you still there? Like, <laughs> hey, man. And I'm like, and, I, and she, he was just looking at her, gazing uh-huh. at her. I was like, he must be really enamored by her. You know what I'm saying? Like, he, it probably was maybe his star moment. I don't know. Or how beautiful yeah. Venus is. I don't know. Yeah. But Venus was like, hey, man, you still, you still here? You see, I'm like, if you're going to come to America and talk to the stars and stuff, you're going to need somebody who's a little bit more grounded and prepared to actually mm-hmm. talk to the stars. Yep. Sky Sports and Fulham Number One, I volunteer myself and Danny to go ahead and do it <laughs> next time in Miami. <laughs> Ain't going to hurt to ask, man. Nope. Never will hurt. So I would say that's one thing. They need they need somebody who who is really on the ground who could actually go about, you know, talking to the stars, interviewing. Yeah. And this is pre-race, so it's a whole lot going on, you know. Mm-hmm. The second thing I noticed is Formula One tickets are expensive as hell. Yes, they are. If you want to really get into Formula One, you want to have some money, man. It's good to watch it on TV. And t- I, I saw like some of the average ticket prices. Hey, Danny, some of these ticket prices I saw at one point three hundred dollars, but then I saw five hundred, but then I saw eight hundred fifty. This is for general admission. Then it went all the way up to like a few thousand dollars, mm-hmm. right? A few thousand, and I was like, this is something that i think formula one really needs needs to watch out for but at the same token when you're selling out supply and demand yep when you sell out when you get this many fans it's gonna be hard to lower the price it's a certain demographic they're going for the third thing i noticed i think nascar is in in trouble and some of these other motorsports i I think they may be in trouble Keep in mind that NASCAR back in 2020, they just went ahead and banned. And you know damn well, ain't no brother or sister really trying to go to no NASCAR because of the stench of the Confederate flag or 
just the racism that exists in the stands or whatever. You looking at a Formula One racing Grand Prix with stars that look like us up in there enjoying themselves. Hey, man. People are going to flock to that. They're going to flock to that. And they're going to end up starting watching the season. And I think NASCAR has a problem from that perspective. Now, whether or not they want more people to really attend their their sport or, you know, lay eyes on the sport or invest in the sport or whatever, they got a problem. Hey, man, the cars are just doper in Formula One, man, in terms of how sleek they look and how mm-hmm. cool they look, man. Come on, man. This is this is admitted, man. Those things look bad, man. I can't, I can't even lie, man. <laughs> I can't even lie. I was like, God, oh, that's a nice ride right there. Yep. NASCAR. Eh. So, y'all can at me, you know, uh, and everything, but it is what it is, and the stars are gravitating towards Formula One. This last thing I noticed, Danny. I believe when you have a lot of stars gravitating towards an event, something's going to, is going to come out of that. I believe there probably have been some discussions and some talks about some kind of deal, some kind of business deal, or maybe mm-hmm. even something with regards to, you know what, maybe we should go ahead and create our own Formula One racing car. Yep, investment group investment group there you go because we see this 10-year deal in miami if it's like this in 10 years come on man and it's going to vegas and we get a chance to travel around the world i think there is going to be an opportunity here and out of this i think something's going to come of it so i think this was a very successful grand prix i think formula one has something here uh, Formula One making a hell of a lot of money, man. Hell of a lot of money. And whew, I'm trying to figure out how I can tap into that, man. <laughs> <laughs> what say you, Danny? Something I noticed too, if you've been following Red Bull and Ferrari, man, <sighs> been dominating. I don't know what's going on with the Mercedes team. I'm going to tell you what's going on, Danny. Hey, sorry to interrupt. I'm going to tell you what's going on, Danny. You make a good point here. Listen, they've been working on this Mercedes car for a long time for the beginning of the season, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What happened on, on Sunday's, in Sunday's race when Sir Lewis Hamilton came on the radio and, was mm-hmm. asked, and they asked, well, do you want to pit? Do you want to pit? Because yeah. the safety car was out. And Sir Lewis Hamilton was like, well, you tell me. You all can see the race better than I can right now, you know? Yep. How how don't you know how your seven-time world champion thinks? And so there's something going on there, Danny. There's something going on there behind the scenes, man. I wouldn't be surprised if Sir Lewis Hamilton, at the end of the season or when his contract is up, decided to bounce out. And maybe that's where this investment group we talking about comes in. Ooh, yep. Come on now. So sorry to interrupt. No, that's fine, man. No, that's fine. So that's where 
just observing, watching these races and you're seeing the same two <laughs> sitting up top of the standings every race. It's like, all right, something's, something's going on with Mercedes. Mm-hmm. So hopefully they can fix that and get an alignment coming up. Mm-hmm. Uh, two, Jason, another thing is there is another event coming up this year in the States. It's in Austin, Texas. In Texas, yep. In October. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So when we first talked about this a couple months ago or whatever, when we first started talking about Lewis, Sir Lewis Hamilton mm-hmm. bringing the stateside, I think that's the advantage NASCAR has right now because Formula One is global. Formula One comes on at all times. It doesn't have a consistent time because mm-hmm. it's all across the world. Yep. So depending on their venue is when they come on. So they may come on, like we talked about a couple of weeks ago, they may come on at 2.30 in the morning. Man, I was up for it, man. <laughs> so I think, <laughs> I, think, I think that's the difference right now between NASCAR and Formula One. Mm-hmm. Where once Formula One gets that bigger footprint in the United States, then they can challenge. And it's going to be, it's not, it's not as frequent, right? So it's going to be more of an event anyway, versus NASCAR is mm-hmm. a circuit. Every week they're doing something, right? That's mm-hmm. like NBA or any other major sport. There's that, that new factor with them coming to the States, and they're only going to be in a few spots. That'll draw in as well. So I mm-hmm. think it's, being global is still going to take time because it's been around a long time. But once they start coming into right. the United States, you know, dang well, the invest someone's talking about getting a car. Come on, man. You know, that's what they were talking about down there, man. And you know, Jordan he, already has one in NASCAR. NASCAR, exactly. Exactly. So, you know, he was down there like, you know what, man, I could hustle, hustle up something here. Yep. So, down the line, I will definitely not be surprised. It's, a group of um, investors get together mm-hmm. and get on, get on, get on this mm-hmm. and get involved with formula one. They made a, it was a great event. All they had movie theaters sold out from like viewing parties. So if you weren't on site, you could go to these different venues there. And just the setup was really cool. So I'm curious to see what Austin brings mm-hmm. once it's back in the States. But uh, all in all, a great event, and hopefully Sir Lewis Hamilton can get back on the right track, man, and get in that top five in the oh, next man. race. We, we, we need him on the podium, man. Mm-hmm. Need him on the podium. Here's the other thing, too, Danny. The, the season goes on until, like, November. Yes. <sighs> so he, he got some time, but he's going to have to start winning, like, now. Yep. It really is, so... We'll see. We'll see. On another note, Danny, uh, this weekend was the Kentucky Derby. Mm-hmm. This is this race weekend all the way around, man. <laughs> Formula One on Sunday, Kentucky Derby on Saturday. Yep. And man, oh boy, what a race it was. Uh, I would have never thought that I would see the day that a horse gets walked. <laughs> walk down but we saw that this Kentucky Derby because out of nowhere rich strikes wins and let me just say he the, that horse came man he came back from 
I don't know, the, the, towards the end of the pack to winning, this was like, where did he come from type mm-hmm. situation? I mean, he's an 80 to one favorite to win and he wins. So whoever had money on Rich Strife got paid. <laughs> you did. He got paid, man. You mm-hmm. kidding me? So, yeah, that was really interesting uh, to watch. What say you, Danny? So, Jason, a fun fact about Rich Strike was he, the horse was entered 30 seconds before the deadline on Friday. Come on, man. And for those of you who watched the race, Rich Strike, like Jason was mentioning, was just way back. And he came on the inside in on the inside. And Epicenter was holding the, holding them off. And I don't know where that burst came from, but then it was over. And Rich Strike took it and won by a decent margin. It wasn't like it was by a nose. Mm-hmm. So the race was very entertaining. Uh similar like we had with the Formula One race. You had the stars out in Kentucky Derby as usual since it's an annual event. It was a great race, man, and good to see the underdog win. And it was the first time since 1913 where a horse with bigger odds than Rich Strike won the race. It was a historic event and a great race by Rich Strike, man, to come up and get that victory. And for all of those who had that ticket, the mint juleps were going down real nice on Saturday evening. So. <laughs> congratulations to you and now danny on to the interesting trading car scenario who we got jason on the heels of nikola Jokic getting his second mvp our trading car scenario today is nikola Jokic's 2015 panini prism rookie card for arvidas the bonuses 1995 fleer rookie card couple quick bios Jokic was the second round pick by the Denver Nuggets, uh, four-time All-Star, three-time All-NBA, two-time MVP. Career averages are 19.7 points, 10.4 rebounds, six assists. Arvita Sabonis was the fourth round pick back when they had more than two rounds in 1985 <laughs> by the Atlanta Hawks and then ended up being a first round pick by the Portland Trailblazers in 1986. Arvidas Sabonis did not enter the NBA until 1995 because so, uh, he played overseas. Uh, he's a Hall of Famer, one-time all-rookie team, career averages in the NBA were 12.7 rebounds, two assists. So, Jason, who do you want in your portfolio? This was a tough one, man, um, because what I ended up doing was watching some of the Sabonis highlights uh, when he played overseas, uh, I obviously knew about Sabonis when he played with Portland, and you know I, you know, just knew knew of him, uh, knew that he had a brilliant career overseas. But when he got to Portland, that's when he was on the tail end of his career. Yep. Uh, and all, but he was still very effective. Uh, had great impact. I mean, you have Sabonis, who's like seven three, seven two. And so for him to be that tall, he in at the time towards the end of his career, a little bit bigger, uh, he was still agile and he could pass. 
man, he he can ball, man. Sabonis yeah. can ball, man. He can shoot as well. Mm-hmm. This was a tough one, Danny, because the fans know where I'm going with this, man. I looked at these highlights, and I'm thinking about Jokic from what I see right now. Mm-hmm. So Bonus is a Hall of Famer not because of his NBA career. The NBA is the premier league in the world. And it's premier league in the world for a reason. I'm still trying to decide here, man, because I'm thinking about Jokic and where he too can pass. He too can shoot. Jokic could be a two-time, well, reports, two-time MVP, league MVP in the NBA, in the most premier league of the the world. Mm -hmm. With that, in my portfolio, from a value perspective, I'm going to have to go with Jokic. Mm-hmm. Not by much, though, because people will ask, man, well, who's this a bonus guy? I can tell the story. Mm-hmm. And I was like, hey, man, you want to go ahead and do some research and do some digging. Go, go look at his highlights on YouTube. And the players that we're seeing now, like a Jokic, and all actually took from Sabonis. Yes. So go look at the original and come back to me. We can have a discussion. I can say I can say that easily, you know, to to you know someone who doesn't know about Sabonis. But man, having two MVPs in your trophy case, whew, that says a whole lot. Mm-hmm. And with the league kind of going back to where the big man is actually now uh, becoming a little bit more prominent and, and finally is not being phased out, that says a lot. I'm going to have to go with Jokic uh, on this, Danny. Who you got? Arvia Sabonis. Yeah, we caught him in the NBA from the NBA perspective. We caught him at when he was a little older. He couldn't move as uh, well. And Shaq used to have fun dunking on Sabonis. <laughs> and they had they had some good battles though, because Sabonis, yeah. even though Shaq was athletic and you know, there there were some battles there. Mm-hmm. And Sabonis mm-hmm. ran to some good centers. Yeah, mm-hmm. you had Robinson, Lajuan, Ewing. Mm-hmm. So he played in an era when he did come over to the NBA. He didn't come into a, a slouch mm-hmm. center position. He mm-hmm. ran to some of the greats mm-hmm. as well, and he held his own. And he wasn't the focal point of the offense or anything with Portland. So when he was with Lithuania, everyone was anticipating when he was going to come to the NBA. But he just, by the time he came, man, his time had passed. Nope. And they did, they did contend. So they had multiple opportunities when he was on the team. But in the West at that time, too, was tough. So it was just a lot of factors against him for why he didn't get that championship. It was not, not only Lithuania, but also Spain. Yep. And then Jokic, I look at him, man, and he's a unicorn, so to speak, mm-hmm. just his skill set. So as big as he is, and he cut a lot of weight during COVID. Yeah, he sure did. Where he realized he couldn't carry all that weight the way he played in the minutes he played. His shot, he has a nice shot. He can see the floor. Uh, he, for 
for him, man, he's, you know, double, double every night. So he brings it every night and it'll be nice to have some bit more big men. Like you got the Embiid's and Aiton's and those guys, but give them a little more competition. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, you know, challenge them a little bit more, you know, sky's the limit for Jokic. I'm curious to see what his future holds if he stays in Denver or what he does. Mm -hmm. Um, because I know Denver has Porter Jr. and Jamal Murray coming back next year, so they should be loaded, ready and loaded. I think their whole team is back. But if they don't do anything next year, man, I'm very curious what he plans to do. Any time to go. Yeah. And does he join Luca? All know. that being said, man, when we look at the card, I'm taking Jokic's card. The value is through the roof right now, mm-hmm. you know, the way he's playing, he's a star, even though he plays in Denver, which is a, I consider a small market team. Mm-hmm. He, he still has um, the value and getting this, you know, with the MVP and what he's doing, I think is a no brainer in this scenario versus a bonus and his NBA career and his card and the value there. So, and for those of you who do not know, Demontis Sabonis is Arvidas Sabonis' son. So he currently plays with the Sacramento Kings, and he is no slouch either. <laughs> nope. So he's not he's not the same. He doesn't have the same game as his dad, but he's he's a pretty good player. Uh, check him out, and we'll see what the Kings do next year with their new coach Mike Brown. But back to the scenario, Nikola Jokic. Thank you for joining us at That Porch Talk Podcast. You can also join us on Twitter by tweeting us at back underscore podcast. For more information, you can go to our website, which is backporchtalkpodcast.com. You can also email us at backporchtalkpodcast at gmail.com. Again, thank you for joining us. And remember that there's enough hate in the world. So go ahead and spread a little love. 